You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Um, Yeah, as David said, Happy New Year. We're going to finish it today. And uh, I think an appropriate finish for a soul makeover is talking about the fact that it makes sense to me that the soul needs a song. You need, you need a song for your soul. Um, and you need a little bit of wind in your hair, a little bit of space to be able to really belt out that song. Every healthy soul needs a good song that it can belt out. And so you guys know what I'm talking about, like a good song. There are other songs, the kind of songs that get stuck in your head. You guys know what I'm talking about? Everybody's had this experience where you get a song that you did not invite you did not want. It was introduced to you by something you heard while you were out, somebody's hominet, and it just gets in there, and it gets stuck, and you can't shake it. You can't get rid of that song. Uh, by show of hands, how many of you remember the last time that happened to you? Where was this week or so? You got a song stuck in your hand, you couldn't get it out. Okay, so some of you can't. Sometimes it can be hard to remember what that song was. You could be thinking back, oh, I can't really remember. I know what happened to me like on Thursday or whatever, but someone was humming, singing something. And there are certain songs Maybe they're not bad. Maybe it's, it's a dumb song, meaningless. Usually the, the dumbest, simplest songs are the ones that just repeat in your head over and over, and it gets stuck, and you can't get it out of your head. And to get it out of your head, you, you really need to replace it with something different. You need, need a different song in your head, or you just need enough time where it literally just, it just kind of goes away, and you're then clear palette for a new song. So in talking about this, I couldn't resist. In trying to get a, and I'll let you describe, describe this, so you can decide what adjective you want to use. Maybe it's a great song to you. Maybe it's not a great song to you. Maybe it's a dumb song. Maybe to some people in your life, it's their favorite song. But for whatever reason, for me, when I hear this, when it, as soon as it hits the eardrums, it's there for a while. And I have to say, I don't like it. And I can't get rid of it. So what, what kind of misery, you know, shouldn't be shared? So I'm going to do you the favor of trying to get a dumb song, a great song, stuck in your head. You guys ready? I don't think you're going to be able to shake it. Let, let's, 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 uh, let's, let's play this, this song. You knew it, didn't you? How many guys knew this was coming? Crank it up, man. It's really, really, drink it in. Just let it in. Let it in. You can't, can't resist. How many guys have heard this? You guys have heard this? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be hearing it for longer. If you haven't heard it, you know, yeah, here it is. You know, it's, the culture's obsessed. Every language around the globe. It's really the tune. It doesn't even need any words. It's the doot, 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 doot. That's, that's what gets you. We can do this all day, guys. I think that button might be stuck back there. <laughs> can you stop it? All right, see if you can stop it. How are you feeling? I have a feeling that it's going to be like 2 o'clock today. And there are some of you that are going to be going, ah, it's just, you'll, you won't even realize it's happening. You'll pause for a second, and it'll be going. You can drown it out with lunch and with conversations, but I think it's going to keep coming back all day today. And you are welcome. 
for that. So when you get a song stuck in your head, because I think the youngest among us might take offense at me saying it's a dumb song stuck in your head. I happen to, at 44 years old, kind of think it's a dumb song, happy that it blesses some people, but we all get those dumb songs stuck in our head, and we need a better song to replace it, really, or some space or some margin to be able to wash it out and get a different song stuck in our head. So talking about our souls, what song is stuck in your soul. Because I do believe that the soul sings a song. All of us have an overflow. There is, there is something that pours out of our soul as we live, as we have relationships, as we work. We kind of move to a song. And I do believe that everybody has a soundtrack. And so as you sit here this morning, it may, it may take you a few minutes to kind of get your head and your heart around that concept. But I think if you think and you pray and you look hard enough at your life, you will start to see what song you are singing as you live every day. What is flowing out of you? What, what sets the tone for how you live and how you relate? What just kind of oozes naturally out of you? What song is stuck in your soul? And I think a huge question to set the stage for what we're talking about is kind of grappling this, with idea, this idea that as you sit here, what song currently is in place? What song stuck in your soul? And where did that song come from? We could get real deep with that. Go all the way back to childhood. It could go to a legacy left by parents. It could go to things that have happened to you. Because all of these different things happen in our lives to kind, kind of get our soul saturated with a certain song. And so then we start to live in step with whatever song we are given, whatever song we choose, whatever song we choose to own, whatever song gets stuck in our head, or whatever song we just kind of have by default that we never really replace with anything better, that we never take the time to let wash out of our soul. So the better question that we're going to grapple with for a few minutes this morning is what song should be stuck in your soul? Because that's really the question. It's not a matter of what song is stuck in our soul. It's what should be stuck in our soul. So as we do, let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us with this as we look at his word this morning. God, we sit here and we do believe that you have something to say to us. We, we wouldn't have come into this room if, if at least there wasn't the hope that we would hear something from you. And we hope that your word is a way that you can speak to us this morning, that you're willing to speak to us. We hope that our hearts and our minds are actually open enough to be able to hear from you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would set us on a path that will lead to something healthy as we leave here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are going to exclusively look at Psalm 92 today. Psalm 92 in the book of Psalms. This is a, a book of creativity. It's a book of emotion. Um, a lot of the Psalms are creative expressions of all kinds that flow out of, of the human heart. And uh, there is the, the idea that God is in the mix here. Uh, as we read the Psalms, we see the human heart, the emotions, the human story interacting with God and with his story. And in that way, I think Psalm, the book of Psalms is a beautiful book that introduces a different element that's not just purely logic and thinking. It's, it's 
a conglomeration of all of who we are. And so I think it's a soul book. I really do. When I look at the scripture, I think the Psalms, maybe more than any other book of the Bible, is, is truly a soul book. And what we miss a little bit when we're reading in English, obviously, when just like when we write songs, uh, there, there's poetry. So there's, there's specific measurements of lines and unique words and, and uh, you know, alliterations and things like that. So you know, as the original reader would have sung Psalm 92 or read it, there are some things that we'll miss. That's some of the artistic, uh, organized part of it. Um, I would encourage you to go on your own and look at Psalm 92 and a lot of Psalms, and you could uh, figure all of that out. And the, the poetry side, if you're interested in the, the music and literary part of that, the artistic construction, if you will. Uh, but we're going to focus on the language of Psalm 92 uh, this morning. So Psalm 92, one of the things that caught my attention right away is that it says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. For the Sabbath day. So somewhere along the line, someone thought this song was good for a day of rest. That's what the Sabbath was for the people who worshiped God in that time, uh, his people. It was a day when you stop and you rest from physical labor, but you also engage in a lot of reflection and inviting God into this soul that has so many different expressions and thoughts. It's a day to fuse everything together and just kind of give some space for a better song maybe to take root, or to choose a better song, to choose to focus and reflect on something that is healthy, that is good, that is meaningful, that is important. So this is literally a song for space. It's a song for the day when the windows are down, and you're really not going anywhere. You're just driving, and the wind's blowing in, and you're breathing deep, and you can really sing. There's space to do it, just a natural flow. So, so the, the writer here, the arranger here is saying, it's a good, good song for that kind of day. Well, what kind of song are we looking at here? Verse one, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name almost high, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the 10 stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. And in reading that and thinking about it, I was thinking we need to get a key song stuck in our soul. Now, what do I mean by key song? A key to me has, has two kind of meanings for me as I read this. It says, it says here, it is good to praise the Lord. It's fitting. It is appropriate for the human heart to praise God. It works, you know, because we were, we were made by God. We are the thoughtful, loving products of a loving, powerful, creative God. That's why we're here. So it fits that that overflow, that there would be an expression that is directed toward him. It fits who he is as our creator, that we would overflow and express and direct our thoughts and our lives toward him. And it fits who we are as his creation. It's hand and glove because we were made for that. We were made for him. We were made by him. So a key, it's just key. It's like a key and a lock. It fits that our lives should pour out in his direction. Now, maybe it's not an actual song. Maybe it's just the overall depth of expression of who we are. Maybe it's the muffins you make, you know? It's not just the song. It's every creative expression, every ultimate emotion that flows out of us. All that we are, when it pours out in whatever form and every form it pours out in, it is appropriate. It's right. It just fits. It's key that it goes in the direction of God. And it's the most important expression we can make because there is nothing, as Alaska was praying, nothing is worth 
that expression, that overflow, the direction of our minds and hearts, nothing is more worth us pointing ourselves in its direction but God alone. So the psalmist really nails it here when he says, man, it's right that we do this. It is right that we recognize God. It is right. It is key. It is important. It fits that we recognize him. It fits that we focus on him. It fits that we stop. Take a breath and totally put our song back toward God. It's a better song. It's the best song we can sing, this key song. And our soul needs that rest to sing. You know, it's hard to really sing when you're doing something else. You know, there, there are work songs and there are play songs. There are a lot of different kind of songs, in quotes, that we can sing and play. But it's a unique kind of song that just kind of naturally forms when we stop. When we get off the gerbil wheel of life. When we rest from our striving. When we rest from the stress. When we stop allowing ourselves to be preoccupied with all of the other things that want to fit into our lives, there's a different kind of song that then has a chance to start to bubble up, start to form, especially when we're focusing on God as we stop. And so there's something unique about the Sabbath song, about the rest song, about the stopping song. Our soul needs a key song. And it also needs a rest, a Sabbath to sing it on. And without those two things, there's something empty. We're not quite a made-over soul. And some of you guys are creative. Some of you might not be creatives in here. We all have our leanings and gifts. Creativity takes time. Creativity takes time. If you go up to a songwriter or an artist and say, hey, crank this out in this many hours, many creatives will buck against that because it has to flow it has to be something that there's space to think, space to reflect. And this soul song, the better song that we should be living, that we should be singing as we live, is something that needs to grow out of real reflection. Our culture does not naturally give us this. We just, we have to get things done. We, we go by task lists and calendars to get things done. This is something that takes time. You can't rush it. And the soul needs that space. And so often we try to cram it in and we get frustrated that it's not really flowing the way it should. We need to give ourselves some space. What kind of space? For, this, for the overflow to naturally start to happen, it's, it's all kinds of space. It's physical space, like literally just stopping. Our running around, our striving, our straining, our, our to-dos, the things that we do to feel valuable, important, like we were productive today. Sometimes we just, we just need to stop that. On a regular basis, we need to stop. Mentally stopping. You know, when you're laying in bed at night and it just, just going, we've got, we've got to let that wash out and stop long enough where our mind can have space and rest. It's emotional. Sometimes we're engaged in so much emotional activity and relationships that our emotions can't rest. We need emotional space, physical space, mental space, and spiritual space. Get off the spiritual to-do list gerbil wheel. Really just being before God with no religious formulas, with no religious to-dos, with no big academic thoughts. Space to rest spiritually. And so if we do that, I am a firm believer that if we, we do that, a key song, an important song, a fitting song can start to happen in our lives, in our souls. Your soul needs room to sing. 
Do you have room? Do you have physical, emotional, mental room in your life for a song like that even to start, to come to the surface? Verse four, the psalmist says, for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Senseless people, and I have to stop there. (laughs) Senseless people. Senseless people. I was reading a translation of this that actually said dunderheads. I just thought that was hilarious. I don't even know what a dunderhead is. I think it is awesome British language is what it is. I think it's incredible. I don't even know what the roots of it are. I kind of saw something on that, but I don't care. It, It speaks even if you don't know. A dunderhead, you just hear that and you're like, no, I don't want to be that. I want to be a dunderhead, so dunderheads. And there's this idea that senseless there is almost like an animal kind of senseless. Like an animal just kind of lives in the woods, just meal to meal, just kind of focused on the right now. There's this, this not this big picture thinking. There's this here now, shallow, animalistic type of, of nature and thinking going on here. And that, that's actually the, the flavor of that term is senseless, almost like animal-like, thoughtless behavior. Senseless people do not know, and fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. Verse nine, for surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me, My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. So there's almost like two kind of animal things going on here. There's the dumb animal that's kind of more like, I was reading about what the dumbest animal is, and I I saw this thing online saying that turkeys are the dumbest animals alive ever. Now, you can do your own research, come to your own conclusions, but when I was reading about it, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty dumb. Turkey's pretty dumb, all right? So, so imagine, you know, a turkey, that kind of dumb, just senseless kind of whatever, you know, I can't really make a good turkey sound, but, you know, imagine a turkey just clucking around doing whatever, just totally senseless. But then a second kind of animal is mentioned here, and it's kind of a weird reference, honestly. It's the wild ox and the, the horn and, and the oil being poured over it. And you can, again, if you want to go do your research on all of the symbolism there, obviously it's cultural symbolism that meant a lot at the time. But the bottom line out of the wild ox references, there's almost this idea that it's referring to a wild ox or this strong animal that's almost mythical. It's almost kind of a mythical creature that can't really be described. That And the horn represents strength, but it also represents a horn of oil. And oil was, it was refreshment. It was, it was the spirit of God being poured out upon something or someone. So the second animal mentioned here is almost like the wild ox that draws its strength and refreshment from God. Now, of course, I, I, in my mind, I had to come up with like a, an equivalent that might make sense to us. It's like a unicorn. That's what I'm thinking. It's like a unicorn. It's like this animal that's not an animal, but it's magical. And it's not stupid. No one thinks of a unicorn as like walking around bumping into trees. A unicorn is this graceful, beautiful mythical creature that has this magic from somewhere else, this strength from somewhere else. So it's almost like mentioning two kinds of people. People that sing a senseless, stupid, godless, temporary, shallow, 
human song or kind of like the unicorn that sings an eternal song, a song from somewhere else, a song that, that recognizes that there's more to this life than the here and now. So I think we need to get a sea song stuck in our souls instead of a dumb song. Well, what's a sea song? What is a sea song? It shows that we see. It shows that we're not senseless anymore. It's a song of joy. It's a song of gladness. It's a song that says, I see what God has done. I see more than just my deeds and what's around me. I see the hand of God at work in human history. I now see, am willing to see, am able to see the deeds of God in my own life. I see, it says your thoughts. In that psalm, it says that basically your thoughts are profound. So the seeing song says that I see that I can't see. I see now that I can't see the end of all things, but God, you can. So I'm willing to sing, and I'm willing to say that I can see, that I don't see the big picture. The sea song says, I see the foolishness of the me song. I see the foolishness of the temporary, shallow, striving song that's the everyday gauntlet that leads to nowhere. The sea song says, God, I see where my strength really comes from. God, I see where my glory really comes from, kind of like the unicorn. I, I see that this comes from somewhere else, and I see that it comes from you. I see where my refreshment comes from. I see, God, now that I can't really be refreshed by anything on this planet, that I can never turn to any kind of work that's going to fill me up in that way like God's spirit, like you as my creator can fill me up. There's nothing no food, no relationship that can truly refresh me like you do, God. I see that now. By the power and ability of your spirit, I'm willing to admit that that's where my refreshment comes from. That's what the sea song is. The sea song says, I see where my confidence should be. I see that there are things that I, I could stand on, but they won't support my weight. I see there are things in my life that I could gain my value from, that I could depend on, that aren't eternal. They're temporary, they're shallow, they're human, they're physical, and they don't last. So God, I see where my confidence should be, and it should be in an eternal God, a creator that loves me and holds the future and who will last forever. God, I see. And so I sing what I see. I see that you're where my confidence should be. So it's basically the song of the unicorn versus the song of the turkey. We can walk around singing the turkey song or the unicorn song, and we can show you. This is the two songs. Which song are you singing? Which song do you want to sing? Do you want to be the turkey that just clucks around bumping into trees every day for your whole life? Or do you want to be the unicorn that gracefully glides through life and people look at it going, wow, where does the power come from? I just saw a unicorn today. At work, at school, Wherever we are, this is, these are the two choices. The psalmist is presenting these as our options of what song we want to sing. And there are a lot of dumb songs playing in the world. There are people that, that belt out the dumb songs, man. They own it. They, they just sing it out every day. And it's a godless song. It's a temporary song. But there is the song of the unicorn. It's there. God provides it. He offers it. If we will open our eyes, if we're willing to believe... If we're, we choose to acknowledge it, and God says, I will give you the song of the unicorn. I'll strip away the blinders. I will help you by my spirit to own that unicorn song and make it your own. Which song are you singing every day? 
And what are people hearing come out of your life? When people watch you, when people listen to you, when they observe how you live, how you work and how you rest, what your focus is, what your demeanor is, what's flowing out of your life. And again, if you're not the creative, you're like, God, I'm having a hard time with the literal song versus the, the overflow and the outflow of your entire life. What's the tune? Is it the tune of the seeing song or the senseless song? Verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So naturally, get a tree song stuck in your soul. And I love the tree song because the tree song is a song of hope. A song that sees a better future. Not just for anybody, available to everybody, but not for anybody. The tree song is a song for people who have chosen to plant their lives in the house of God. Instead of choosing to plant their lives in the soil of this world that is perishing and passing away, in, in, in choosing to plant their lives in strength and in life in the house of God as opposed to in a place of temporary, fleeting, ultimately meaningless action. People choose to be planting in God's courts versus the world's courts. And this is the hope song. The hope that says no matter what happens in my body, as this world disintegrates, as things change around me, there is one thing that can remain true. The soul that sings the tree song is planted in God so it never withers. Because though the body falls apart, the soul remains strong when it's planted in God's course. And we choose that. He dies on the cross. He opens the way into the courts of God. But we have to choose to plant there. Where are you planted? Because where you are planted is where your song will come from. The song that you sing to the world will come from where your roots really are. And the psalmist is encouraging us to sing a tree song. The song of a soul that is planted in the house of God. And that soul will always have something to give. There'll always be a song to sing. Even when we're too weak to move, the soul can still be strong when it's rooted in God. Blindness, sin, selfish behavior, religion, these are song stealers. They steal our song. When we engage in a life that is godless, when we choose to reject him and just live life on our own, and grab on to all the fleeting stuff around us like it's truth forever. It steals our song. We can't have that song and God's song at the same time. Selfishness rips that song away. Blindness rips that song away. And Jesus came onto the scene and he was running into a ton of people who had had their song stolen and some of them had it stolen by religion itself. Religion sucked the life out of their soul. And I keep, with every passing year of my life, I just keep coming back to the scripture over and over again, over and over again. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. 
through 30. He looks at the people who've had their songs stolen by sin and blindness and religion, difficult circumstances, broken people, hopeless people. And he says this, come to me, come to me. All you who are weary, your song's gone. All you who are heavy burdened, I will give you rest. I'll give you rest from your striving to be good enough, to jump through the religious hoops. I'll give you rest from your brokenness, the hurt that other people have perpetrated on you, the unsettledness of your soul. Come to me, and I will take that off of you onto myself, and I will give you rest so that a new song can take shape in your soul. A song that you could never contrive on your own or throw together at last minute's notice. Let me take all that stuff that has stolen your song. And in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I will give you that day where the windows are down and the wind's going through your hair so that you can start to have a new song bubble up in your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden, my yoke will never steal your song. It'll help you to have the best song. Your soul, my soul, cannot sing under the burden of sin. We try to have it both ways. We try to do the God thing, and we'll even play the part, and we can do the religion. Anyone can play religion. Anyone can play religion. But not everybody can play relationship with the living Jesus, God himself who came, who died for our sin, rose from the dead. You can't play at a relationship with him, and you can't fake a song. You can go to church, you can fake religion, you cannot fake a good soul song. Can't be faked. Can only come from someone who is truly planted in God's house. So in some ways, I think Jesus died to give us our song back. He died to give us our song back, the song we were made to sing, the God God originally thought us up to sing a certain song, to flow out of our lives good things, fruitful things like the palm tree, to bless this world, a, a tree that flourishes despite circumstances. Jesus comes to free us from having to earn our own goodness before God. He frees us from insecurity, the insecurity that says, does God like me? Does God love me? Am I too black? Am I too dirty? Am I too stained by sin? Am I, am I, am I good enough for God? Jesus came to, to end that song. He came to sing, yes, you are loved. Your song can be, I am free. Your song can be, I am loved. And it doesn't have anything to do with whether I'm good or not. It has to do with how good God is. It's his deeds. It says, I sing of your deeds. Well, the greatest deed he ever did was die on the cross for our sin. So Jesus comes and he, he takes the Psalm 92 to a level that's like, now we can sing of the real deed of God, which has given us our soul song back because there's no more sin. We can rest from our labor. He died on the cross to get us unstuck, to get that baby shark song out of our head and give us something more like amazing grace that's eternal, that's meaningful, that lasts forever, that never gets old. There are songs that never get old. I think amazing grace, a good example of one of those songs where you can hear it every time, different forms. You're like, Man, I love this song. I'll let that wash through my head all day long. He came to get us unstuck and to give us a better song. So get a better song stuck in your soul. How? Rest first in Jesus. And as you live every day, rest, make space for your heart to connect with him. Physical, mental, emotional space, stop. Give yourself a Sabbath and you let Jesus give you the song that you sing on your rest day. Jesus can truly be 
your rest. A soul at rest is a soul that sings. And when you hear a soul singing, you better believe that's a soul at rest. They go hand in hand. So the question again, what song is stuck in your soul? As you sit here today, you hear all that. What song is stuck in your soul? I wonder how many of you were left a bad song. Maybe the legacy of your parents, your family has left you not a good soul song. And you're still singing it. You're owning it as you sit here today. Maybe some things have happened to you and you have owned that pain and that is your soul song. It's a song of pain. It's a song of what other people have done to you. Maybe it's a song of self-depreciation and failure. And you've owned that failure song, and the song you sing is that I am a failure. I'm not good enough. Maybe the song you're singing is handed down from a world that says, here's how you're measured in your value. And maybe you're singing an I'm awesome song because I can do these awesome things, and I have these awesome things. That's not an eternal song. What song are you singing? And here's, here's a huge question. It's the ultimate question about the song you're singing. Where did it come from? Where did that song come from? If it didn't come from God, it's not a song worth singing. And if it didn't come from God, it's not a song that's going to last. It will end when this life is over. The stakes are high here because the world needs a better song. And if we're not singing it, you tell me who's going to sing it. Creation is singing God's song. Will we do our part in that? If you don't sing a better song, who at work will hear it? Who at school will hear the right song if you're not singing it as a junior high or senior high or college student? There are people in your home that need to hear a better song, and if you're not singing it, who's going to sing it? The world needs a world that is confused, a world that's hurting, a world that's broken, a world that's passing away. A world that's based totally on shifting standards and wrong understandings of what is really valuable. A new song, a better song, needs to be injected into our world. And that is God's plan for us, that we represent and we sing Jesus' song. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close with a time of reflection and singing. And I hope this is just the beginning of your thinking about this. I hope it's just the beginning of your expression about this, your conversation with God about this, and the journey to find the song that Jesus died to purchase for you, the song that he died to put back, what God put in there when you were made. Jesus came to put that song back. I hope this is the beginning of that journey. And I wonder for you, what's next for you? To, to find that song, what's, is it space? Do you need to stop something? Do you need to rest from something to start trying to find this song? Maybe you need to have the first rest, which is coming to Jesus in the very first place and saying, this is what Riverside's all about. You heard David say it when he was up here. Maybe your first step is, okay, I need to rest from this resistance to God thing and my whole doubt, nervousness, not choosing to believe thing. I need to rest from that and just make some space. So if God is real, there's actually some some room for him to move into my life. Maybe that first step is, God, here it is. I'm done. Done striving, done straining. Here I am. Here's my soul. Here's my sin. 
here's my junk, here's my pain. I'm inviting you in. Maybe you're here today and your prayer is, God, forgive me because I have allowed a song that is not worth singing to own way too much time. I know it's not the song that you want me to be singing. Let's work on this, God. I want your song. I want the key song, the sea song, the tree song, and I need your help with it. I need you to take this burden off of me. I need you to forgive me. Maybe some of you are here and you're in the midst. You're on that wheel and you need God to keep that song strong and your prayer is, Holy Spirit, I know what I'm going into tomorrow. I know what I'm going home to. I know the people. I know the temptations. I know that there are song stealers waiting right outside the door. So Holy Spirit, I can't do this on my own. You need to give the unicorn its magical power because I can't do this. I know what I'm facing. Give me the strength to keep my song. Going through what I'm going through right now, God, will you help me keep my song by the power of your spirit? Help me keep my song. Who needs to hear your song? Think about some people in your life right now that need a better song. Maybe you'll ask God to help you overflow, express, create something good that glorifies him so that they'll hear it and want him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and before I pray and before the worship team leads us in a time of reflection and singing and focus, what do you need to say to God today, right now, to start this process off? What can you say to him to, to begin? What needs to begin after today? God, I pray you would hear the cry of every heart this morning. Holy Spirit, give the right words, the right view of what comes next to everybody who's here. And I pray, God, that as we seek you, as we ask for your forgiveness, as we ask for your strength, that not only would, would just one or two of us be singing, but that this song of a God who is creative and loving, a God who loves us, was willing to die on the cross for our sin, a God who is alive, holding hope for the future, that more than one voice, that two, that, that hundreds of voices would be singing this song. God, give our song to us. Help us to own it by the power of your spirit. And as we sing it as individuals, that we would combine in chorus with everyone who's sitting in this room, with all believers worldwide, and that this song would be heard so that the world can hear it. And that people would come to you, not because we're awesome, not because we're good, but that we are free, we are forgiven, and we can see now. We are planted in your courts, God. I pray you would help us to sing as individuals and as a church a song that's worth singing, a song that, that's worth listening to. And because we do, we pray not only we would be in your courts someday when this life is over, but someone who heard that song will also be in your courts because of the song that flowed out of our lives. It's in your name we pray and sing and think and leave here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.